hot water for you. He's sick. So grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are jumping into our series on an advent here on the names of Jesus. And we're using specifically the names found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. How many of you know Handel's Messiah? Alright, so it's, it's, if you know Handel's Messiah, you, you know those names. Because they sing the names, like, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> just Google it, you'll, you'll hear it yourself. So a lot of people know the verse, right? Because it's from Handel's Messiah. But not many people know the context of the verse. It's written by a guy named Isaiah, who writes around 700 B.C. In fact, this verse he writes around 730 B.C. We know that because of the context of the previous chapter, Isaiah chapter 8. So Isaiah writes, in a dark time, the nation of Israel. Israel was the northern kingdom. Judah was the southern kingdom. And the nation of Israel is under attack from a nation to the north of them called Assyria. Assyria began these attacks around 740 BC, and they began military incursions and down into Israel. And as you might imagine, the northern part of that country bore the brunt of the invasion. And that northern part of the country was around the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did most of his ministry. And the Assyrians were ruthless. Even in that era, which was when life was nasty, brutish, and short, the Assyrians were infamous for the brand of warfare that they waged. Many believe that they invented crucifixion. It was that bad. And so what the nation of Israel really needed was a great leader. And unfortunately, their king, King Pekah, was not a great leader. He had been the counselor to the king and decided he wanted the job. So he killed the king in 740 B.C. And at that time, he allied with the nation of Aram to attack the southern kingdom of Judah. King Ahaz was king of Judah at that time. And not trusting God, he decided to contact the Assyrians and say, Hey, will you guys please go attack Israel? So in 740 B.C., they did exactly that. King Ahaz was not a great leader either. either. In an effort to secure security, he sacrificed one of his sons to the false god Moloch. These are dark times. Dark times. Um, people scurried after false gods, and destruction was on every doorstep. It's in these dark times that Isaiah gives a prophecy of hope. And he says these words, and wrote these words, around 730 B.C. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke and that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. And here it is. Why? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In those dark times in 730 BC, Isaiah prophesied a word of hope and that victory would come one day through a kid. But not just any kid. This kid is given the most incredible names ever given any kid ever. And so today we're going to look at the first name, Wonderful Counselor. How many of you have ever had a good mentor in your life? Whether at work or at home or yeah, just someone who just just kind of helped you out, kind of coached you along. Maybe a football coach, baseball coach, it's a mentor in life. A great mentor is an incredible gift. My dad was a great mentor in my life because my dad came from the the um, Vince Lombardi School of Parenting, and so everything was a pep talk. One time, you know that Vince Lombardi poem of the, the man who thinks he can? You know, life's battles don't go to the strongest or the fastest, but to the man who thinks he can. He gave that to me framed. <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> My dad was a little intense. And uh, when graduated, I graduated from high school and left for college, my dad gave me this, this book called Life's Instruction Book, and he wrote his extra instructions in it. So here's some of the coaching my dad gave me. Always buy lemonade from kids selling it on street corners, but you don't have to actually drink it. Splurge on a good pair of shoes. Your knees will thank you later. Be content with what you have. Lots of people have it worse than you do. Marry someone better than you. Yeah. <laughs> Respect is earned. Love is given. Don't hide. The fun part of hide and seek is being found. Don't get into fights. But if you do get into a fight, don't fight fair, fight to win. <laughs> Be gentle with the weak. Courage is just getting back in the saddle. He liked John Wayne more, too. Don't crack your knuckles or chew gum when you're meeting with someone. It's rude. Treat every woman with the honor and respect she deserves. Remember that potty you're going out with on Friday night with someone's little girl. Don't buy the extended warranty. <laughs> Remember, doctors and lawyers are paid to be cautious. Call your mom. She'll tell you that you don't have to call, but she's lying. Own a dog. They're good for you. This is my dad's favorite. The road to success does not lead back home. <laughs> that was my dad. Fail boldly, win humbly. I may be old, balding, and out of shape, but I've been around the block a few times. You can ask me. 
You are talented, courageous, and good-looking. After all, you're my kid. There'll be times when you fail. When you do, remember I love you. And Jesus loves you too. That was my dad. That's good advice. And Isaiah says that there's going to be a light. There's going to be hope. It's going to come through a wonderful counselor. And the term that he uses is a loaded term. Because it really means a royal counselor. So you can almost insert the phrase, a wonderful, royal, kingly counselor. And Jesus speaks this prophecy around 700 BC. And refers to Jesus. Because as we go through the other names later on in these upcoming weeks, we'll learn that it can only refer to Jesus. Because only Jesus matches these names. And Jesus is a wonderful counselor for primarily two reasons. And the first is this. The first is he is a godly counselor. Godly counselor. We're working with our middle schoolers and we're walking through the Ten Commandments. Huge shout out to Jamie who's walking with us with these middle schoolers. Um, she's awesome. And these middle schoolers are fun. They're crazy. They talk all the time. We love them. And as we're teaching the Ten Commandments, I keep thinking, if I had followed these, I could have avoided every single major mistake in my life. And so we're teaching these kids, these are really important. You've got to know these. And here's the thing. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He gives godly counsel. They're not godly recommendations. They're not divine advice. If they're not really good ideas. It's godly counsel. And so I'm going to say something that might offend you. And if I offend you, it's only because I love you. If the Bible says one thing, and you're doing something different, it's not because of your special circumstances. It's not because there's a reason why that those words don't apply to you. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He gives godly counsel. And we tell our middle schoolers, if you just follow these ten rules, man, you're going to avoid so much pain in your life, and your life is going to work out better. Not perfect, right? Because challenges come that, that we don't anticipate, that we can't plan for, that we can't, we can't do anything about. But it just goes smoother for you. We're like, please, learn these. And will they? Will they follow them perfectly? No. No, because they're middle schoolers. <laughs> right? They're like poking everywhere. Like, I'm going to poke this, I'm going to poke this, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this. Because that's what middle schoolers do. And my friends, we're all middle schoolers. Every one of us. Oh, we get better, right? We figure out the ones that really hurt. But what happens so many times is that when life gets hard and we, we get to those areas where we're often wounded those areas where we, we, we lack security or we lack comfort or we lack a love those areas in our life and so many times we'll turn from God's ways and we'll go to the, the, the easier uh, the quicker the, the more beneficial in the short term we're all middle schoolers. I can say that all the big 
biggest mistakes in my life have been from not following God's word. But the reverse is also true. All the greatest joys in my life have been from following God's word. Let me give you an example. And anyone who has kids knows this example. When you're a parent, there are times for every single parent where you go, this is so not worth this. <laughs> this is just not worth it. <clears throat> Sometimes it happens when the kids are little and they're puking and they're crying and you haven't slept for a week straight and you're like, this is so not worth this. Sometimes it happens when they're middle schoolers and like you have little aliens in your home and you can't figure out <laughs> who they are. You're like, how do you know this child? I used to know the child. I don't know the child. Right? Sometimes it happens when they're older and, and the problems get bigger. As my friend used to say, little kids, little problems. Big kids, <laughs> it's hard. And you push through. And you push through. And you keep loving that kid. And you get through that hurdle, and you realize, this is so worth it. It would have been easier to bail on that kid. It would have been easier to say to that kid, you are on your own. I don't want to see you again because you've caused too much pain and too much hurt. Or it's easier to say, you know what? Let me help you. Let me, not, let me help you not experience the full consequences of your behavior because it's painful to me to watch it. So I'm going to step in so you don't avoid, so you can avoid the consequences. That's not loving either. But love is right in that messy, messy, messy middle. It's in that messy middle of balancing a truth and grace. It's that messy middle of balancing uh, consequences and forgiveness. It's all that messy middle, and none of us rides that perfectly, but God calls us to do that, to walk with Him, to follow Him, to serve those around us in the messy middle where grace and truth, where justice and forgiveness all meet together. So Jesus is a wonderful counselor, first because he gives godly counsel. He's a wonderful counselor for another reason, and that's because he redeems our failures. He redeems your failures, he redeems my failures. Has anyone ever said to you, I told you so? No. Worse, have you ever told someone, I told you so? You know? And it feels so good when you say it. You're like, oh, I told you, you were, this was going to be bad. And you went and did it anyway. Look what happened to you, right? I told you so. And if anyone had the best grounds to say, I told you so, it's Jesus. And Jesus is with his disciples. It is hours before his arrest, his betrayal, his beating, his crucifixion. And he says to his disciples, I'm telling you, all of you are going to leave me. And Peter stands up and says, Lord, even if all these losers abandon you, I, I never will. Okay, the word losers not in the text, but strongly implied. <laughs> Jesus says, Peter, before it's daylight tomorrow, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny you knowing me three times. Peter says, no, Lord, that's never going to happen. 
course it happens. Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the grave because that's what Jesus does. And he meets with Peter. And it's the ultimate chance for Jesus to say, Peter, I told you so. He doesn't go there. Instead, he says to Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, yeah Lord, you, you know I love you. We're good. Right. He asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. We're good. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And the third time, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, because he's slow, finally gets it. Jesus is walking back all of his denials. Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Because that's what Jesus does. He redeems our sin by his death on the cross and then restores you fully and completely and wholly to be his people in his service to a world that's dying of God. Because that's what Jesus does. He's a royal counselor who's put himself where no royalty has ever been, and that's on a cross. He gave his life for your failures and for mine. See, my, the best counsel my dad ever gave me was to point me to Jesus. And my dad didn't know a whole lot about Jesus. Um, my dad, um, I'm not quite sure when my dad actually became a Christian. He became a Lutheran when he was 19 years old. I'm not sure if he actually became a Christian when he was 19 years old. Um, he was dating my mom. And what he used to do is he knew the route my mom's family would take to church. And so he would park his car on a side street and watch them go by. And then he'd follow them to church, you know. But if they didn't go to church that day, he'd just go home. <laughs> and so, uh, when he's 19 years old, he asked my grandfather for my mom's hand in marriage. 19 years old. And my grandfather says, okay, you got to do three things. you got to become a Lutheran. you got to join the church. you got to learn how to play pinochle. you got to paint my house. Because <laughs> he wanted to see if this kid was serious. Dad did it all. But I don't know if he was actually a Christian then. I think he just did it for my mom. But later on, he kind of grew in his faith. And he didn't know what to teach me. He said, you know what? I just have to point you this way. Point you to Jesus. We have an Advent tradition here that we give you gifts for you to give away. And so today, as you leave, we're going to give you a card. And it's a card that has uh, this verse, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, written on it. And we're going to invite you to be wonderful counselors and point others to the wonderful counselor. And so if you know someone in your life who could use a little bit of encouragement, we want to invite you to, to write in a note and to send it to this person. Or if you know someone in your life who could use some comfort, just write a note and send it to that person. Or if you know someone in your, in your life who's celebrating something, you just want to celebrate with them. 
write a note and send it off to them. You know what? Use the card for whatever purpose you want. We don't care. But we're inviting you to be wonderful counselors. And in a small way, appoint others to the wonderful counselor. Gave so much to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for your godly counsel. And thank you, Lord, that you redeem our failures and restore us. Thank you, Lord, that you never say to us, I told you so, but rather you say to us, I got this. Lord God, in our weakness, may we rest and point others to your strength. And Lord Jesus, in our strength and in our victories, may we point others to you as the one who provides all good things. When we stand, Lord God, may we stand firmly and solidly under promises. And Lord, when we fall, may we fall to your grace. And Lord Jesus, in all things and in every way, 